but I guess we can start off with what led us to want to start talking about stuff. Yeah, so for me, um, which is kind of, I guess, my MO, like I see something that's like popular, something that's interesting, something that I enjoy. And sometimes it's, and you always see it when it's done really well, because by the time it gets to your eyes, so much growth and so many things have happened to where it's first class. And so you really enjoy it, you know? And so podcasts, you know, aren't a a new concept by any means, but uh, when I started recognizing my interest in podcasts, I thought, well, there's got to be some good, you know, good podcasts out there that, you know, are, you know, down to earth, you know, some, someone I can listen to and not have to filter out 90% of what they're saying. saying like that's expletives all wrong. or yeah. just well, or expletives also crazy yeah. stuff, crazy stuff, crazy ideas too. I think, you know, which sometimes that's where the intrigue is, you know, sure. is, is, is doing that. But, um, but just, I, I don't know, like, there's a desire to have a good, clean uh, podcast that uh, isn't afraid to talk about um, some controversial things, especially within, you know, conservative upbringings and things like that. And there's been a lot of like really popular, I guess, podcasts that have come out that I, you know, I've listened to some, but just a lot of them are people that have come out of the conservative movement. Right. And, and they've come out and just talked how bad that was. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately with the conservative movement is we're not super organized. It doesn't seem like so. That's fair. So, uh, (laughs) so a lot of the times, um, there's not a, there's no one saying the other side. There's no one saying, well, okay, look, I grew up that. And I, and I feel bad for people that grew up that way. And that's the ultimate into where they're where they're at right now and how that's hindered their whether it be life or walk with the lord or or whatever it is you know what church life you know any of that you know um and so so i i really wanted to be like you know we need a podcast of some good guys that are just putting out good content and it's interesting that isn't you know, that is the other side really. And not, and not like far right, you know, <laughs> it's right. like everything is this way. I mean, but that the other side is out there if someone's seeking for it, you know, cause that's what I, yeah. I started looking for it and I didn't see a whole, I mean, there are some like, don't get me wrong, but I just, there gave me this desire, especially within our, 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 our upbringing as conservative as it was, um, conservative upbringing and we're still yeah. kind of involved with it absolutely you know, yeah. we're not and we didn't have the typical i was brought up christian and now i'm <laughs> <I've Donna>. abandoned <laughs> all said beliefs it's yeah, like absolutely. well no there are people out there that are still yes adhering to it and of their own free will yes not like they're being da- psychologically damaged to the point where they don't you know, they feel like they're stuck. Yes. It's like, no, this is our own choice. We, yeah. we think this is, 
you know, these values present a better way to live yes, or a, a more optimal way, or they work for us, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think one of my issues and not, it's, I would hate to even call it an issue because I can, I consume a lot of content. Yeah. YouTube podcasts. Um, I prefer to watch my podcasts on YouTube that I listen to. Yeah. Same. Um, but what I found in, and I consume left, middle, center, right, mm-hmm. all of it. I'll listen to a yeah. wide array of things. Um, but what I found in the, the, it seems the more conservative, I use that term somewhat loosely, Very you loosely. go, yeah. <laughs> the more political. Yeah. It's like they've, the, they've really pigeonholed themselves into mm. this political atmosphere. And that's, that's what true. it's all about. Yeah. And it's all about crisis and pol- politics. Yeah. And it, and I understand the sense of urgency that they're trying to create on some things, you know, conservatives will typically look at an issue and be like, uh, this is falling apart. Yeah. And, you know, freak out essentially about it and try to make the news kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it becomes the news and then it flutters away. And it's like, there's nothing, there's no substance to it. Yeah. There's no deeper dive into, um, you know, the values, the the underlying foundations, it's it's all like news cycle kind of yeah. stuff, and I, which I, I will still listen to sometimes, sure. and I can still find entertaining, uh, if nothing else. But like, it doesn't give a lot of practical information, or uh, it's, it's just not very deep. Sure, it's not gonna. It's not like it, you can. Oh, I can. This is good life advice. This mm-hmm. is just, ah, this is the next crisis. This is, you know, the left, the liberals, they're taking this away from us. Yeah. You know, they're taking away, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. And they're mm-hmm. just freaking, they're like in 100% freak out mode all the time. Yeah. And th- that doesn't do anybody any good. It just makes people angry. You think that that might stem from at least within, you know, conservative upbringings from conservative churches, um, you think that could stem from because we're raised somewhat to believe the Bible and not question the Bible. And so because of that, we've now um, gotten to the point in where we become people that are very quick to just agree with what we believe is the solution and, and not listen to any feedback from those solutions. I think it's even more than that. I think we've in because of laziness mm-hmm. or uh, convenience. It's not that we've we don't question the Bible. It's that we don't question just what we've been taught by yes. other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we we take you know it's very conditioned in. People and this goes for a lot of people. This yeah. goes for people on all sides. Absolutely. And just when you're raised, you know, and you're brought into something, or you consume a lot of one particular thing, you end up as a matter of efficiency, just simply adopting like broad palettes of ideas: mm-hmm. uh, conservative, liberal, whatever your whatever 
group that you're affiliated with or yeah. in, you tend to just broad scale adopt the ideas. Yeah. Because one, it saves time. Yeah. It saves you from having to study anything yeah. or think about things mm-hmm. or listen to things. And you don't really have a clear understanding of the reasons behind things. Yeah. And then when you don't have that, you either are a hundred percent in yeah. or you're a hundred percent out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then when the, the problem is, especially I, we've both seen this on the conservative end of the spectrum, uh, you know, especially in uh, Judeo Christian upbringing. Yep. Um, you know, you're raised in a church or you're, however you're raised in that kind of environment, you're taught all of these values and ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're told this is, the correct way to live. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> and then you, you know, you enter adolescence, you enter adulthood, and one of those things, one of those values, you see in in real life, you see it shatter. Yeah. Or not work or mm-hmm. crack or fall apart. And that one thing that you were taught, because you don't have a a clear you know you never had the clear understanding behind it sure you know for all the reasons that you know you do this thing mm-hmm. or you you keep this moral you keep this standard now then you end up in turn questioning the whole palette mm-hmm. of um of principles or standards or values and you throw the whole thing away yeah because you were never taught you know, critical thinking first off sure. is typically a problem, but you were never taught. Okay, these are the re- these are the reasons behind all of mm-hmm. why we do this. Yeah, and you know, and I don't fault anybody for that because it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, to to really in your in each and every person's mind to really consider and think about these things and and spend the time to develop the understanding that's required so that when something that you were taught appears to have not worked in real life. Um, you can look at it and say, okay, how was the, the value misapplied? Yeah. Cause it's not, or, or how was the, the standard that came from a value misapplied? It's not the value or the morals problem. It's yeah. how you applied it. Yes. That's the problem or something else affected this that you're not clearly seeing. And it wasn't, you know, this, this uh, way of living, it was, well, you were doing this also, yeah. this other thing. And, and, and that's what made, made it everything fall apart, yeah. whether it's a family or whether it's uh, a relationship or whether it's, um, you know, you get somebody said something to you. Yeah. I mean, I've seen entire paradigms or, um, you know, outlooks on life we'll just use conservatism for example i've seen people completely throw away their faith yeah because of one thing that one person said to them yeah it's like okay you were never grounded enough in this (laughs) in this thing yeah if one thing that one person said can shatter it you know it's built on sand yeah and i think we've really shied away from I don't even know if we've shied away from. I think it's just become with the with so much more information out there, it's easier to poke holes in people's yeah 
balloons. Yeah. You know, they're, they're brains. Yeah. And without that solid foundation mm-hmm. of this is why, you know, we think this, and you're free to think, you know, you're free to take this, uh, this palette of ideas and adjust it. Yeah. You know, as you think critically and as you study and as you develop as a person, um, you know, and then come up with something that one fits your life. Yeah. And two, you have a clear understanding of, you know, it's, I've always lived by the, 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 the phrase or the saying, like, if you can't explain something that you believe, you know, to a, a toddler yeah. or a, a young child simply, then you don't have a clear understanding of your, you do not have a clear understanding yourself of that. It's almost like you don't even believe it. Yeah. Well, because... it's, you believe it because you've adopted it. Yeah. You, you yeah. don't believe it because you actually came to the conclusion. Yeah. You know, I've worked in technical fields before Mm -hmm. and you can always spot somebody who's not really doesn't have a real clear understanding when they're trying to explain a a technical concept Mm -hmm. and, you know, they have to use multitude of words as, as we say, uh, to try to explain something. Okay. If you have to do that, you don't have a clear understanding of it. If you can't just explain this technical phenomenon or, you know, law of physics or something, you can't just explain that to somebody on the street, then you don't really understand it yet. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge uh, portion of people. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that goes back to, like you, you mentioned time, discipline, maybe, you know, convenience, but you think it also stems from, it works for me, so I don't need to question it or, or think deeper um, or why people, what keeps people from asking why. I think first and foremost, it's laziness. Yeah. You know, and because they have something that works or it seems to work now, why, why change? You know, yeah. if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, mm-hmm. you're not really trying to fix anything. Sure. You're just trying to build your foundation under the things or strengthen it under the things that you've already, you know, currently live your life by, Mm -hmm. you know, certain morals, certain standards, certain this, certain that, like I can, you know, I've talked to people where it's like, okay, I have this standard in my household, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, I can't think of a great example off the top of my head that won't upset anybody. No dishes in the sink. No, no dishes in the sink, you know, (laughs) It's like, okay, why do we have this standard? Mm-hmm. Well, because um, if the dishes get left in the sink, then it then it overwhelms the person who has to do the dishes. And if mm. they have to do more than two days worth of dishes, they, you know, it gives them, uh, it decreases their sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. And you follow that tree down to, okay, this is the real reason yeah. why we take, we, we do this. Sure. This is the real reason we have these rules. Mm-hmm. You know, explain explaining to kids, you know, it's like, okay, we have these rules. This is why yep. we don't do this. Because if we don't do this, X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. can happen. Yep. You know, and it, it, it's like, what are people afraid of? Yeah. What, if you track everything back, 
more or less, it ultimately leads to people are afraid of death. Yeah. And you can almost take every fear back to that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with standards. It's like, okay, we take a standard. We have to be able to to look at the genealogy, for lack of a better word, of yeah. a standard and say, okay, what's the root cause yeah. of this, this rule or this standard? And then analyzing those on occasion and saying, okay, this doesn't really jive. Yeah. You know, this standard doesn't really jive with our, our actual goal or our actual um, so problem that we're trying to fix. It doesn't okay. fulfill yeah, its purpose. And then we get rid of the standard. Yeah. And I've seen that happen many times and for the better because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we have this standard. Oh, we've had it. You know, it's tradition. You know, yeah. we've had it for three generations. We've yeah. done this this way. It's like, well, you know, maybe things have changed. We're in a modern, a more modern time and more technology has changed. And we look at it and we say, okay, we don't need this anymore because it's not actually fulfilling the original mission. Yeah. And I think people will just get stuck in, you know, and I'm all for tradition. Traditions are important in many aspects. And there's, that's a whole big conversation of why, but, if you can't look at each and every standard, method, moral, et cetera, in your life and trace it back to a, you know, do a root cause analysis mm. back to why, then maybe you don't need it. Yeah. Maybe you need to incorporate something else or maybe you need to modify it, you know? And I think that's where maybe some fear comes into place where people that have done things a specific way for so long they're afraid that if they remove something that it's going to lead to something else. And that's a 100% valid fear. Yeah. And and that's truly the heart of conservatism. Yep. Is okay, we aren't going to we're going to change as little as possible mm-hmm. because what we're doing now works. Yes. So let's not change anything because this still works. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you keep doing that and everything else in life changes, yep. then it's eventually not going to work. Yeah. Because everything in, in the world is changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? The only thing that doesn't change is the basic foundation of Westerns is Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Christianity, you know, religion, mm-hmm. and the basic foundations foundations of Western society are pretty much the only thing in the last 2,000 years that hasn't changed. Yeah. So unless you're going off of one of those core principles, Mm -hmm. everything's subject to change and you have to be able to carefully adjust based upon that. That's my, that's my take on it. Sure. Okay. You have to, it's a balancing act, right? You have to, yes, conservatism is great because it protects what works Mm -hmm. until it doesn't, that thing doesn't work anymore. Now you have to come up with a way of adjusting it to bring it back into alignment, to bring it back into, um, you know, something that works for everyone and still keeps the, the original principle that was intended. Yeah. Which, which is in, I mean, the book of James all throughout there, but one main thing that he mentions there is like, prove the things that are in your life, prove it's a consistent process. It's not a, okay, you've proved it once and now that means it stays there forever. It's, make sure that this thing that you're using your time on and that you're investing your life into uh, is worthy of that investment because 
how great of an investment is that that a lot of people don't even think twice about our time, you know? Sure. And you mentioned it a little bit, but just talking about death and the reality of it, like that's something that, that really has always, I would say resonated with me more strongly than maybe I've seen it with other people. Um, it's really what ultimately kind of led me to believe, um, was a fear of, well, what's after death? And that was as a, you know, as a young boy, six years old. And I grasped that concept of everybody dies and no one hasn't. Like mm-hmm. there's no exception here. And how do people just live their life day to day, not thinking twice about that? Like what's involved in that? How does that happen? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can't say that I, I can't sit here and say, oh, I think about death every day. You know, yeah. I'm not some goth. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely is on my mind. Yeah. You know, and I've always been, I was talking, I mentioned before we started, I've always been fascinated with this. Um, it's kind of a, I don't know what you'd call it, not a movement. This idea that's summarized in this Latin phrase called memento mori. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of concept of the main concept in, in modernity now is you incorporate things in your life, art um, primarily, um, writing, um, contemplation, th- thought processes that revolve around mortality mm-hmm. or death. Yeah. You know, and one of the, like, some of the art is skulls. You know, and when I was growing up, that was all bad, right? Like anything that resembled death was considered um, evil. evil. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it as a, as a token, you know, these, these items, say you have like a picture of a skull. um, There's a very famous Memento Mori-esque um, photo of it's like a skull on a top of an open book mm-hmm. it's like remember and i think the latin phrase actually translates to something that remember that you too one day will die yeah you know and if you could actually take that to heart you know and contemplate that i think it's very valuable for orienting your life like okay actually consider i am gonna die 10 out of 10 people die you know remember the bumper sticker from the 90s (laughs) and just putting that in your mind really affects how you make decisions you know it affects how you make the big decisions especially it's like okay i am only here for a certain amount of time yeah how can i be of value to other people you know how can i develop my own self uh, in a way that's respectable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are my goals? What are my, you know, what do I want to accomplish in life? Not just in the next five years. Sure. And I, I think that's an underutilized tool. One of my favorite books of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And yeah. a lot of Ecclesiastes, if you've never read it, is, is kind of a, it's an you know an older king solomon who was the wisest man 
to ever live. He wrote the Proverbs and, mm-hmm. and all these biblical passages. And he kind of sits down at the end of his life and reflects yeah. on it. And he, you know, and he's also one of the richest men mm-hmm. ever. You know, obviously in ancient times, but wealth far beyond imagine even today. Yeah. And he sits and he writes almost in a in some parts it's almost sarcastically. Yeah. And just about kind of the fleeting nature of life. Yeah. In a way that really resonates like, oh, this is all just kind of, you know, bull. Yeah. You know, the, the, all this stuff that we do, you know, all this, he calls it vanity. It's vanity. all vanity mm-hmm. and vexation. Yeah. All the days mm-hmm. on the earth. And it's like keeping that kind of thought in your mind. One, it helps with anxiety. Yeah. You know, when you can consistently keep that like, okay, this is all going to end. Yeah. You know, this is all going to end and it's not going to matter. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. Well, that, that changes the, the game a little bit, yeah. right? What are your thoughts? No, definitely. You know, that's one of those things that I think will sharpen any any person, especially a young person, to, to understand that um, we're all given a certain amount of time. And mm-hmm. don't just see pleasure as... Or something that you enjoy doing uh, become the thing that your life is about. You know, have a have a goal in mind to make your life worth something, and find something that's worthy of investing the valuable time that you have into. You know, and that's that's something we need to look at everything we do. Like, all right, is this that worthy of my time? Is this worthy of me? using this limited time that I have uh, on this. And um, yeah, I don't know. You, you mentioned that. Uh, what, what was it called again? Uh, uh, the Latin phrase? Yeah. Memento mori. Yeah, memento mori. I hadn't heard that before. don't know a whole lot about that, but uh, I think I've seen that picture that you mentioned. Um, and it's a, it's a very intriguing and thought-provoking um discussion because I feel like we just so often distract ourselves from the fact that death is coming. Oh, like, for sure. Like we just, we act and play as if it's not there. And, and I think that's why funerals can be so powerful, uh, for people, um, especially younger people, uh, especially when they're funerals of younger people. Um, just how, how we are reminded and, and it can't be ignored of how fragile we are, uh, as humans and how reliant we still are on, you know, things working out, you know, (laughs) and as some would put it, God's protection, as others would put it, you get lucky, you know, I mean, what, you know, whatever, whatever choice you take to believe in or whatever. Uh, but yeah, going to Ecclesiastes, that book, man, it's a, it's a read for sure. It's a read for anyone. Yeah. I mean, I mean any faith, whatever, if yeah. you just read that and 
not come away with a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah, Something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you can't help it because, he, and it's, I love it how to, uh, Solomon's so honest in, in that book because he talks about, you know, some of the things people hold dear to and like people have given their lives to. When somebody gives their life to something, it almost automatically puts value on that. Like, okay, somebody ended the most valuable thing they possess, their existence for this thing. So that naturally causes someone to pause and say, okay, that there's something different there. I mean, because if someone was going to give it all for it, it, it's probably important. Now, that's not to say everything is true that someone gave their life for. We see people give their life for, for things that come to show later was just a big lie that was told to them and they believed it, you know, full on, you know. Um, but, but yeah, that, that idea of, of understanding that, you know, the things that the majority, I would even say of things we spend our life on is just distraction, like making sure we don't focus on that deeper, the deeper things, because I think ultimately those deeper things lead us to be better people and stronger and uh, more mature and more profitable to society, you know, in that way. And there's that, then there's that part of us that always says, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) It is. Yeah. But one of the things that, you know, people are scared. People are scared of, of death, and I think that's why mm-hmm. you have all the distractions. All you know, people don't want to talk to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They try to minimize it in their yeah. life as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But you don't. And I've heard Jordan Peterson. I've heard other people talk about this. You don't become less scared of anything. Yeah, you you can't really become less afraid of something, but you can become more courageous. You can have more courage to face that fear. Yeah. Like that's the metric that you can adjust, that you can build, you know, that's the muscle that you can exercise to overcome a fear. Yeah. And I I think if you really think about that, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same. I think the same thing applies with death. If you can look down the barrel, you know, and have enough courage to look at death in the face and say, Okay. Yeah. You know, at that point, it's like now you've unlocked yeah, the next level. Of courage. Of courage. Yeah. You know, now you could say, okay, now I can live my life in a manner that's not, you know, just trying to avoid this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually going to be profitable. So when it does come, it'll have been worth it. Which is, I think I've heard a lot of... um people talk about that, which is that, uh, immersion therapy that a lot of people use, uh, to overcome fears. And, and it's like they said, you never overcome the fear. You just, uh, your courage increases to the point where you can handle things better and tolerate things more. There's still that fear. It's always there and it should always be there. There's a reason it's there. Um, but ultimately it you can still function with that in there because there's people with phobias and fears that shut down completely you know 
when they see a spider or or they're taken to high places and they see me being one of those <laughs> to where I even remember we went up here in the northwest to uh uh Rooster Rock. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean it's not a I would say twenty minute hike up this, you know, to this peak. It's literally a big rock in the Columbia yeah, Gorge. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But walking up it, I mean you get some views and in some people's words, you get some views and my words, you get some fear <laughs> because when you're up that high, I mean, you talk, talk about thinking about your mortality. I mean, it is so easy to fall off that. And there's wooden bridges that go over areas that aren't, do not seem safe to me, but I am no engineer, but in my opinion are not safe. Yeah. And, and that, that feeling that you cannot control that burning inside that we've all felt, whether it's public speaking before you're about to stand in front of people, whether it's going to, to work. Some people feel that before they go to work every day, like this, what's, what's, what's going to be before me today, you know, and that, that fear just uh, can cause them to just be paralyzed to where they just can't function. Fear of the unknown. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the fear, the greatest fear of death is it's like, we don't have anybody that's gone there and come back. So we can't talk about it, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that is very interesting in the Bible that there are some Bible characters that died and came back, you know, and we don't know the specifics of all, how all that worked, but um, I was reading and read about Lazarus. And just how he came, and he was alive, you know, after that for a good amount of time. And uh, just thought, and I love to just talk with him and be like, what do you remember of the other side? Like, how did that work, you know? Or did he remember, you know? That's the thing, we'll never know. And I think for probably good reason in each of those cases, it's like, I don't think it is for us to know. Yeah. Um, Because... I think it would affect how we live. Yeah. You know, and it would affect all of our decisions to a point that may or may not be good. Mm-hmm. And it's almost one of those things that uh, it's better to keep it a mystery for now. Yeah. yeah. And that's because we need it to be, mm-hmm. you know, that's why that's something with that, that, that I think that's why it's that way is because we as people need that, uh, that unknown to motivate us, to cause us to do something. And the only, I mean, literally the only way to cure a phobia is exposure. Yeah. There's, there's been no other ways shown talking like physical, you know, fear of spiders, fear Mm -hmm. of water, fear of whatever. Mm -hmm. The only way that will thing that can actually cure that on a scientific level is exposure therapy or immersion therapy. It's like, okay, you're scared of, of, of heights. The more time you spend at heights, the more information your brain has to go on, the less afraid you are, the more courageous you are. You know? And I think that's a lot of that reason is, is because it's always worse than we think it is. We always play it up more in our minds. These fears, uh, we always, they're always worse than we truly think they are. Um, and I've seen that when, you know, 
which is weird because I was not scared all growing up of heights. That's something that came on, I would say, when I hit about 18 to 20. Interesting. Yeah, like all growing up, we went, I remember, like we'd go to, we went to church in Chicago and went to the Sears Tower and it has like, I mean, way up in the clouds. At that time, I think, pretty sure it was the tallest building on earth. And I loved that. Like I just, I remember like going to the window and kind of like jumping on the window, like, and obviously they have super thick glass and stuff there. So, but like it has spots where there's like clear glass and I, no fear. Like, and, and so I was probably, you know, 12, 13, you know, somewhere around there at that time. But then I remember when I was an adult and it was something that wasn't even really that high. And I remember my legs shaking uncontrollably. And I thought something was wrong with me because like I said, I'd never really felt that before. And, and I was like, I don't know what's going on guys, but I need to get down from here. And they're like, Oh, you scared of heights? And I was like, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess that's what this is. And it always made fun of people that had like those fears, you know, and, and thought, Oh, they're just weak minded, you know, they, but it's just something that came on after that. And, and, uh, and so now it's like, anytime I go up, you know, something that there's a cliff right next to me, you know, and up here in the Northwest, there's a lot of hikes that have that. <laughs> most, I'm, I'm, most of them. Yes. I'm holding the rail rather tightly. And if there's not a rail, I'm on the other side of the path, walking up the side where the wall is. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of went the opposite way. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I guess I have a natural or normal fear of heights. Yeah. You know, Tall roads mm-hmm. don't really bother. Never really bothered me. Yeah. Tall bridges never really bothered me. But I spent. I've worked construction mm-hmm. pretty much my whole career, and I spent one by year, um, kind of as a helper technician working on cranes. Yeah, um, overhead cranes specifically, uh, the kind that are in like big buildings for manufacturing, and. Some of them are up, you know, most of them are between 40 and 60 feet. Mm -hmm. It's like a pretty good size. Um, I've been up over a hundred feet on that stuff. I've been up on some like port cranes that they'll load ships with, but it's, it took some getting used to It, it took, and it really just took, okay, I have to do this. Yeah. And I just, ah. Yeah. Breathe. Oh, yeah. You know, let's, yeah. okay. We, and it's even worse when you're up there to actually, you got to actually do something, right? You're not just up there to <laughs> yeah. take in the views. Yeah. Okay. I have to work on this. Yeah. I have to pack tools I up here. <laughs> I mean, I remember trying to, we tried to, we uh, had to replace a motor, an electric mm-hmm. motor on, on top of one of these cranes. Yeah. And you don't just take these things down. You, yeah. you bring whatever part you need up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're up there. You're, of course, you're tied off. Yeah. You know, but no one wants to fall and get caught by a harness. Nope. That's terrifying. Yes. And painful, actually, too. Mm-hmm. But it's just up there, like, okay, we have to get this done. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I got to get through this. Yeah. And I was, okay, I didn't, you do that enough. And three, four months later, it's like, Go just right another day at the office, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, we'll walk down this thing. No big yeah. deal. And it's like that progressive, okay, the more exposure I get. Yeah. And, and I did that too, um, doing like 
structural steel putting i I used to inspect a lot yeah of that of of building frames you know Mm -hmm. big building frames and you'd have to climb up and when you're putting up the frame of a building you 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 have all you have is basically a bunch of column steel columns and then connecting beams beams yeah and a lot of times you'd have to get up on the beam which could only be maybe a couple you know four or five inches wide crawl out there and look at stuff i mean i wasn't even doing real work i was just inspecting Inspecting the work that other people had done Mm -hmm. welding and bolting and stuff like that yeah and pride got me through a lot of that i tell you what (laughs) because the people that put up those buildings are like incredible iron workers they're just Mm. they're a little crazy i think because they'll they'll just walk like it's no big, just like if walking, walking down the street, they'll oh, walk down these things and you're 60, 70, 80, 90 feet up in the air. Sometimes you're 500 feet up in the air and wow. they'll just walk around. They're tied off. They have their little thing they drag behind them. Yeah. Kind of clips to the beam, mm-hmm. but no fear. Yeah. None. But the, when you do it enough, you mm-hmm. just, you know, you expose yourself to that and you don't die. And the more you don't die, the easier it gets. Yeah. Uh, you yep. know, it's crazy. It is. It's one of those, one of those things that, you know, and the, and the Bible talks a lot about that separating the fear, you know, and learning to replace that fear with, you know, faith, whether it be faith or, or as you mentioned, just the confidence of I'm okay. I've done this before experience. I haven't, I haven't died, you know, and I think that's where a lot of the world maybe miss has this misconception of, of faith. Like everyone's like, well, faith is something that Christians can't explain. Anytime, anytime they can't explain something, they'll say, well, you just got to have faith, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's so such a shallow view of the word, you know, yeah. of, of understanding that, no, it's, it's recognizing that there's something more powerful and a lot stronger than I am that I'm trusting to help take care of me, you know, of the things I can't take care of myself. That that's the big point that a lot of people also miss as they're like, Oh, well, God will take care of it. You know, they just throw everything to the other end of the spectrum, right? Exactly. He'll take care of everything, you know? And, uh, and so I don't have to do anything, you know, and those people, usually don't last very long in church because they realize, well, actually, if I don't get up and do something, nothing happens, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I God. mean, in, in Christianity, we say, okay, God gave you a brain yes. and a book. Yeah. Use both. Yep. And then what you can't come up with, that's where, you know, faith comes in. Yeah. It's like, okay, I know I've done everything right. I know yeah. I've done everything logically right, and I know I've done everything you know, uh, follow the, these foundational principles yep. and live my life accordingly. Everything else is out of my control. Yeah. You know, if I take these actions, that's all I can do. Yeah. And then that faith is when you orient yourself that way and you actually practice it. There's a reason I always find it interesting. They call it, you practice a faith. Yeah. And I think it might've came from the Catholics that, <laughs> that have a lot of things that they have to do. Yes. But really you practice this faith of 
okay, instead of being anxious about something, mm-hmm. I am going to have faith, put my trust in this this way I live, yeah, that it's going to the outcome is going to be good, yeah, or the outcome is going to be whatever is most optimum, even if I don't think it's good, yeah, you know. Because not everything's good, yeah. In our eyes, exactly. It's not everything that we expected to it to be. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. But that also goes to the point of the things we don't know. You know. So, like, we can. Most of us can think back to a point in our life, and we could be like, "That was one of the best moments of my life. Like, this is one of the best things that's ever happened to me." Well, we didn't know that that even existed until we tried something Mm -hmm. and tried to do it. And in order to do, whether it be a wife overcoming that fear of rejection, that fear of, you know, whether I'll be accepted, whether feelings would be reciprocated, you know, all of that, there's fear in all of that, that leads and, and causes roadblocks in each and every one of us. Just in the ability to love somebody. Yeah. I mean, that takes faith to love somebody, yeah, right? Absolutely. And and understanding that, like you mentioned, like getting over those hurdles. And, and I think the strongest people in our society, whether you be Christian or not, are people that have learned to, to face that fear, but not just face the fear, overcome it overcome it to the point where um i can still accomplish everything i need to with this fear being present within me and and that goes back to kind of something with what we were talking about with conservatives i feel i feel like a lot of the times we're scared because we've been taught something so often our entire lives we're afraid to find out if it's wrong or when something, like you said, if something is shown to us um, that looks like we are wrong, we're afraid to study it out and say, okay, wait, why? I believe that that's incorrect, but why do I believe that's incorrect? And are we scared to, to study that out to understand whether or not it is? Um, and especially when it comes to even like different denominations, if you will, or different versions of faith that are out there um whether it's uh how people interpret what what the bible says you know there's a reason we have however many hundreds and or thousands of denominations that we have that are out there because people don't agree on what the bible says and so how can i make sure and be sure that i'm interpreting it correctly and we're the ones that are uh, right, you know. It's a deep question. It is a deep question. And I think it's, I mean, this has been a an, an issue since the beginning of modern Christianity. Yeah. Since Christ, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking specifically about Christianity, yep. there's so many denominations. And you know, just like tradition, you know, not all traditions I think are bad. Yeah. You know, 
you one person can't spend all of the time required to study out and to contemplate and to thoughtfully think about every single thing yeah in say the bible yeah and i think that's why almost writ large everyone that participates in christianity ends up adopting a denomination because it kind of gives a structure yeah. of okay i know i talked about this earlier of you know don't be so lazy that you just fall blindly follow sure. the structure but incorporating a structure yeah and then building off of it i don't think is a bad thing yeah and i think it's useful yeah um but you you have to be willing to still look at individual items yeah. that that structure says is canon Mm-hmm. for lack of a better term sure. and you know be able to still come up with the root of why you do it this way yeah you know if you're a methodist you know why do the methodists do it this way yeah why do they believe this you know and each denomination uh, each group will have their own take on things yeah it's like you still got to be able to go and look at each thing and mm-hmm. really make that you know, in your own mind make that argument yeah but i think starting with a structure of belief yeah you know especially to someone who's newer Mm -hmm. or hasn't really is a new into christianity or is is new to actually um you know really dedicating time to figuring stuff out Mm -hmm. um having that initial structure is useful. So I think a lot of people, and this is kind of maybe my, what I would view. Um, Cause like we've mentioned in the last episode, like um, I've been a missionary and Ru- I was in a missionary myself in Russia for four years. And then um, We've, we've been back here a couple years, still working with Russians here in the Northwest area. So I kind of have a different perspective being a leader or a pastor in that mm-hmm. uh, uh, ministry. Um, do you think people look at the pastor as that's his responsibility to do? And so because of that, we've began to put all of it on his shoulders that, all right, it's up to you to make sure that we're convinced that this is what we believe or this is what's right, that we're in the right thing. Or what do you think on that? To a degree, yes. I think that the overall hierarchy yeah. of that, of how a, a typical church mm-hmm. or you know is set up, of, okay, you have a leader mm-hmm. of this group of people, you know, not all knowing, not yeah. all, you know, Infallible. enlightened, yeah. <laughs> but somebody who dedicates more than average amount of time yeah. to studying, to contemplating, to truth seeking uh, based upon biblical texts uh, in the case of Christianity. And then dispenses that, some of that knowledge that's gotten by the study to a larger group of people who 
dedicate less time to the study. Yeah. But I, I think you are correct in when you say that the people will tend to shirk their responsibility mm-hmm. onto because they see someone that dedic- has dedicated their life yeah. to this. And they'll just they'll assume, or they'll just put their trust in them and say, whatever he says, yeah, I'm good with. I Which, think that's that that just boils down to laziness most yeah. of the time, um, or you know, just going with the flow. Yeah, but it's it's like the American government set up. Yeah, the American government is originally was set up to be have checks and balances, yep. right? You have a three-tiered system, yep. or a, not a three-tiered system, you have a three-branch system. Yes. And for really anything to work, all three have to be in somewhat agreement. You have to you have a Congress that's made up of a group of people, somewhat like the church, yep. a group of people um, that can collectively make decisions. And then you have a leader, an executive function that's made up of, um, you know, the, the president, etc. in the case of the government or the pastor in the case of a church and then you have a judicial which um, you could kind of extrapolate somewhat like um, a geographical group of leaders in in the case of, of church I would say that's probably the closest equivalent like okay you have a group of like-minded leaders in an area and they will adjudicate uh, if one leader has issues maybe like a deacon maybe or like a deacon yeah. yeah that could be another thing some type of adjudicating body that yeah. that can with authority make judgments upon yeah either people in the the church body or people in the executive function yeah you know, they kind of have autonomy in that role yeah and i think very wisely that's how a church is structured mm-hmm. you know and it's all a check and balance so the leader doesn't end up with ultimate authority yeah you know the authority is granted to him by god in the case of christianity and by the group of people uh and if he screws that up then the group of people have the responsibility to kick him out yeah and i think that doesn't happen enough yeah um because again people just don't want to be bothered with that well and then because you got to replace it well, you got to yeah, that's, you got to replay, you got to figure out what you're going to do. That's a whole <laughs> yeah. big process. Yeah. But again, if, back to laziness. When the system works mm-hmm. and everybody's truly on board and you know studying as much as they can and really f- devoting mental resources to the thing, yeah, whatever it is, um, I think it's a great system. I think yeah. it works very well. Yeah, it's just that we screw it up all the time (laughs) yeah and and you know uh it's interesting because like i and and i might just be total controversial here because lay it on me you know the why do you think the bible specifically makes it and, and it really doesn't completely uh but from reading the Bible, we've come up with this is what church is. This is what it's supposed to look like, right? Yeah. Um, 
And, and one of those big things that we've, I think we've created in our minds, and this isn't just me trying to pass the buck on being a pastor. I'm not trying to say, (laughs) you know, but I'm, I am saying that if, if we're putting so much responsibility on the pastor to know, uh, the right answer, it's almost like we lose the desire, um, to study, you know, it's almost like you're, you've got the answer sheet with him because he studies and he's going to know the right answer. And if I have a question, I'm just going to go to him. Um, I think we as Christians have lost the, the value of going and studying out something for ourselves. I've seen that too often in churches to where, well, because the pastor knows the right answer, I'll just go ask him. And I think our society's turned into that. Okay, oh, Google. A hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? And so then we've lost this. I worked, spent my time, and I came up with the right answer. Like that process, I think, is underappreciated and undervalued. And I think it's having effects on society and church as well. I think it, it's truth-seeking. Yeah. People aren't willing to really seek out the truth in, yeah. any, in any matter, whether it's, uh, you know, biblical truth or... Um, you know, moral truth in the case of society or mm-hmm. just practical everyday stuff. Yeah. You know, they just adopt cherry pick here, 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 here. I trust these people. So I'm going to use their system. I trust this person. So I'm just going to adopt what he says uh, because I don't want to spend the time. Yeah. I just want to live my life and get this thing done so I can go to what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the underlying curiosity yeah. Is still there. I think yeah. people are still curious. Yeah. And people still want to know. And there I think there's a group of people out there that are still really are seeking truth. Yeah. In some you know, in some capacity. Yeah. But you know, writ large, maybe that's going away. Maybe it was never really there. Yeah. Um uh, you know, on a mass level. I don't know. It's kind of hard to gain a historical perspective on that because everything's changed so much in the last hundred years that I don't rapidly too. I don't know how people thought about this stuff. Yeah, because we have written texts from people say three hundred years ago, but the people that could really seek truth three hundred years ago, I mean, actually they were the only people that could write. Yeah, you know, they, they were you know, whether they were educated or whatever, like it was tough if you weren't even able to read, Yeah, which most people in history haven't been able to read. Yeah, That kind of complicates matters a little bit, Sure, you know, and you can't fault people if they, you know, if they just have worked their whole life and they literally haven't had time to really, you know, I I get it. I get why people just adopt you know, from a priest or from a preacher or from uh, a leader, they just adopt all of the, the palette of, of morals or or values. Uh, This works. Yeah. Let's move on. We got to get back in the field. Mm -hmm. I think it's somewhat of a luxury when you really think about it to actually 
have the time to sit down. Yeah. But the thing is, we most people now do. Yeah. I think if they really acted that the societal level improvement would be insane. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you had even 10%, even if you had 10% of society just in America that dedicated a certain amount of time to seeking truth and proving ideas, you know, 10% is a lot. That's 33, 34 million people. Mm -hmm. I mean, what kind of effect would that have? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could never calculate it. Yeah. But I just, I I think of like when I'm studying uh, for whether it be a a sermon, Sunday school lesson, conference, you know, whatever it is, um, I enjoy the process of how the sermon or uh, how it comes together, you Mm -hmm. know, how I, how I read the scripture, seen other parts of the scripture, and then ultimately come to a main point of that comes to a conclusion of something that will be something that can touch somebody else or affect them, you know? And I, and I'm afraid that we're losing that in society with the amount of technological advancement that we're having to where we can, Google almost anything and it's only going to get, I don't want to say worse, but it's only going to happen more often in more areas as AI, I think continues to grow. And I think, like you said, I think we're using technology to free up so much more of our time. Yeah. But we're freeing it up freeing up our time from things that were profitable for us in making us better people to the point where now we're filling that extra time with Netflix or YouTube or entertainment, things that are not wrong in their place. But if it becomes what your life's about, what are you even living for? You're living to watch a fantasy you know, of something else, you're not, you're not even living your life. And, and, and that's where like, I think that's why people are miserable yeah. that live like that. Yeah. Cause we weren't designed to live like that. Yeah. Yeah. To the, the fa- there's a famous saying it's uh, if humans were left to, you know, they had everything they needed to where they could just sit in hot water and busy themselves with the, with the continuation of the species, yeah. uh, they would, kill themselves essentially for lack of stimulation. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's what I think uh, a lot of things, like we mentioned Elon Musk last episode, but basically he has so much money now to where he doesn't have to think about money anymore. No. And so, so much of our time, so much of our effort, so much of what we do is about securing financial stability for us and for our families that many times we aren't even asking the right questions. We aren't even stopping and thinking about, well, what is life even about? And 
so small of a percentage of people get to the point where they can like, okay, I can breathe now. I can stop. I don't, I have more than I'll ever need. Yeah. So now what? You know, because that's the goal people are trying to reach. And most spend most of their lives trying to reach it. Some never reach it. A lot never reach it. Um, But then even those that have reached it are kind of quiet about it because they also don't know what's next, but they don't want to tell everyone they don't know what's next. And they also don't want to admit that they just used more than half of their life, maybe 60% of their life. They spent it to get to this point only to say, I still don't know why, why we're here and if this was what was life was about, you know. Oh, this is such an endless debate of, you know, money, resources. Yes. Oh, yeah. Does money solve all your problems? Yeah. No. Can no. it solve all your problems? No. Yeah. Does it make you happy? No. Yeah. So what does it really give you? I think it gives you freedom. Yeah. Freedom of thought. Yeah. And freedom of lifestyle to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but I think if if I was to place the the most valuable thing that money can give you is the freedom to affect others in a positive way. Yeah. Because not, not, not always necessarily with money. I think generosity is important. Sure. If you know, if you have that kind of, if you have resources to share, that's very beneficial to you, especially Mm -hmm. as the, as the person who is being generous, but it also gives you, freedom of time yeah and, and freedom of back to truth seeking you know? yes okay i have time now to you know maybe more time to contemplate things maybe more time to to help other people out maybe more time to uh, maybe more resources to fight the fights that need fighting mm-hmm. you know on the the political front or on the you know, the social front, yeah, et cetera. Because when you're head down, you know, just trying to survive, mm-hmm. uh, and whether you're in China, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in the United States of America, yeah. you're just head down, work hard every day yeah. just to get by. You don't have the freedom of thought. Yeah. And I think that's really what money can can give you you know, if you approach it in the right way, it can give you that freedom of, okay, let me look a little outside of myself. Yeah. Uh, You know, there are people that want to attain money just again for pleasure. Sure. You know, and that's a great side effect, Mm -hmm. but really I think the ultimate pleasure in, in having extra resources is really being able to benefit other people. Yeah. I think that's what's hardwired into everyone. Yeah. I think that's what we were made to do. Yeah. Okay. I've taken care of myself. I've taken care of my family. I have more. I can take care of other people. Yeah. You know, on many, not just on resources, on many fronts, Mm -hmm. I can devote more time. To me, because I've thought about this a lot. Sure. You have to. You know, Everybody wants to get rich, right? Everybody yeah. has something. Yeah. You just don't talk to anybody, that, in my experience, that wouldn't like to have a little extra, right? 
Yep. And I think you're kidding yourself if you say that you wouldn't. Yep. Unless you're just enlightened. <laughs> Attached. Uh, everybody wants some extra. Maybe not everybody. Oh, I don't want to be rich. Yeah. Okay. But would you, could you use an extra 10 grand? Yeah. Sure. I could use an extra 10 grand. I could pay off this. Well, then you maybe you would, wouldn't have to work that job mm-hmm. that you don't like so much. Yeah. Maybe you could work at a, you know, a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. that, that actually helps people. Yeah. Maybe you could work at a, a church. Maybe you could volunteer more on the weekends, you know, yeah. it all, for me, it all boils back to that freedom Yeah, of now I can do whatever I think will benefit other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course it goes the other way and you see that, I think there's a correlation, like a philosophical correlation with if you build the character traits that that allow you to be successful in business, that those same character traits that you build during that process are what will keep you disciplined once you achieve the actual monetary resource yeah right because you see people who have these windfall moments mm-hmm. right lottery winners trust fund kids yeah. and man their lives are just nine times out of ten yeah it's a mess it is yeah. they either go broke they die yeah they overdose on drugs you know, they catch a venereal disease. Yeah. Like it's it's not a trope. Yeah. It's very yeah. prevalent. Yeah. These people. And I think the there is some I don't know if it's how would you want to describe it? Wisdom, character that you that you have to build or you're supposed to build to be able to attain that. Yeah. Because you need those things once you attain it. Yeah. To to Use it wisely. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any other way to to, no, that, to explain that. that. Makes you sense. Get my drift. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's a the process of obtaining wealth prepares you for achieving wealth. I think so. For yeah. m- on average, yeah, you know, yeah. There's and, always people that screw up. Uh, yeah, sure, and and you can always screw it up, but that's the those who didn't work for what they have just blow it and it's Mm -hmm. gone you know and and you'll see like like you said these lottery winners or people that are trust fund and they get control of the money now uh how often it's just blown and wasted and there's no there's no you know there's almost no explanation of well where did it all go you know yeah and and then we and we see that with you know that you know, scripture has that of the prodigal son. A lot of people know that mm-hmm. story to where he just give me my inheritance and he went and he spent it all and it went quick. And oh, it goes quick. Yeah. And how quickly it can go, you know, if and and I guess those are kind of similar thought processes of seeking truth. It's almost like seeking that truth prepares you to be able to accept that truth. In the same way that working for the money, preparing, you know, building yourself up, understanding everything you had to go through prepares you to 
value the money the way you're supposed to spend it wisely in places that are good and right. Same way that researching um, truth or, or Bible or whatever it is, that, that process allows you to value the truth and the, the things, the points that you come to uh, in, in studying that. As you know, anyone that's grown up in, you know, a conservative church probably has heard, read your Bible every day, you know, pray every day, you know, go to church every, you know, there's these things that are there, but, and because we've heard them our whole lives, we've become callous to them somewhat, but, but that's what that process is, is of the reading is, is that you're going to find new things that you didn't notice before. And the only way you find those things is by going through the difficult process. Let's all be honest, okay? Difficult process of daily reading something that you've read before and um, trying to find out something and hear something, understand something new. And that process of study prepares you and, and, and molds you into being ready to come to the point of truth. And, and I think that principle applies in many aspects, many yeah. different places that we underestimate as a society of, uh, we like to, we like things for free. Like that's what everyone loves free, but if it's free, it's not valuable. Exactly. If it's free, it's not valuable. That's, that's instantly the, the thing that comes to mind, you know, after that. And, uh, man, that's that's a whole whole interesting. I mean, why is gold valuable, right? Yeah, it's, it's scarce. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I mean, it's durable, sure. right? It's not easily corrupted. Yeah, and it's scarce. Yeah, that's why it's valuable. Yeah, I mean, if it were like the sand on the on the bank of the sea, it. Yep. No big deal. Yep. Nobody's going to make a ring out of that. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting, like, even just, like, the concepts of that, like, why we put so much value on money, why we put so much value on gold. Like, gold is just a rock, really, when you come down to it. It's technically yeah. a metal. Okay, but. metal, yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, one of the, one something I remember that, that shocked me, you know, and kind of, kind of like brought me to like waking up, I guess a little bit on that is just that in the, how our technology has advanced to where we can see other universes now. Yeah. We found planets that are solid diamond. Like, like, so because it's scarce here, it's valuable, but really in the grand scheme of everything, you know, it's it's only valuable because it's scarce exactly here. yeah because <laughs> it's everywhere well it's just like it's specifically with diamond i've always been fascinated with diamond because it's carbon yeah it's pure carbon mm-hmm. the element it's an element pure carbon i mean natural diamonds will typically have impurities in them sure but the more pure the more valuable yeah coal is the exact same thing <laughs> coal is carbon yeah in its purest form, and it is just elemental carbon. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference still. The difference is 
how it was formed, mm -hmm. what happened to it. I mean, most people, it's kind of a cheesy trope, but you know, you start out as coal, most people end as coal, but yeah. some through pressure, through truth seeking, through mm -hmm. discipline, yeah, they end up under all that pressure because diamonds are formed under all, the, all this immense pressure, yeah. right? When you come out as a diamond, yeah, you know, and now now it's only valuable because of all the things that happened to it, yeah, not because of what it is, yeah, or what it knows, yeah. or what it knows, yeah, mm. Mm. deep stuff. That is. What do you think about beauty? Mm. What is beauty? Beauty. Asked my kids. We were on our way to. I think it was church or maybe school one day. And I said, uh, "I said, look at that mountain. Like it's gorgeous mountains up here in the northwest." Specifically, and, what Mount Hood? Yes, of yeah. course. The, yeah. the peak. You know, you got that's my favorite up here that I've seen. Uh, but you got Mount Hood. And as you're going on, uh, you know, from Oregon to Washington, you got the bridge there um, on the 205, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you this perfect view. I mean, you've got the Columbia River right there. When it's not raining. When it's not raining or cloudy. <laughs> yes, exactly. This was it's a not Sunday an everyday day. occurrence. Yes, exactly. Uh, but you just get this gorgeous view of this mountain. And it's almost like mountains. Like if you look at them, they like... You get where the Greeks were like mountains. It's probably where the gods live. Like, I mean, a thousand percent. It looks mystical from a distance because of how large and tall it is. And you're so far away, yet you still see it. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. But I looked at, I talked to my kids and I said, I want you to describe a mountain and, and what you see when you look at that mountain, try to describe it to somebody that's never seen anything before. How, how would you describe a mountain to somebody? How would you describe a sunrise or a sunset to someone that's never seen before? Um, and, and so like that, that's, and, and, and they tried, you know, and it was very comical <laughs> and interesting. Um, but, and I don't remember really what they said, uh, but, um, but just that concept, like it was, it was more for me when I was thinking about that. I'm like, Oh, I'll go ask the kids and see what they think. Cause I'm sitting here driving, thinking this to myself, like how beautiful that is. And yet, how would I ever describe that to somebody? And then that, that led me to, man, how hard it must've been for John, who in Revelation went and saw these things of heaven, you know, and how impossible it is for people that have never seen that to explain what that is. And that's where we get the heads of a lion, body of an eagle, you know, and we're going, what is this stuff he's talking about? You know, Some wild, yeah, read, weird man. stuff, you know, but it's because he, He's trying to explain from a human perspective things that can't be explained to those that haven't seen it. 
And so, you know, some of, some of beauty, a category I would say of beauty is something like that, that you, you have to see it and experience it in order to understand it, that it's just, it's indescribable unless somebody can see it for themselves. Um, and that's, that's definitely, I'm not going to say all beauty is that way. Of course not. There's a lot of aspects of beauty, but that's definitely a category of beauty of, of something that, I mean, you have to see it to believe it because otherwise, how can you? It's, it's, you can't explain how beautiful and how you, uh, that don't get me started at how unique every sunrise is and every sunset. Yeah. And how different they are in different texture, colors. I mean, and just how every day is a new miracle that a lot of us don't even wake up to look at and watch because we've gotten so used to it. That's there. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty. You know, it's no big deal. It's going to happen every day. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not. I'll catch it next time. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. That's something. Yeah. I've wrestled with this for. A while what yeah. makes something beautiful yeah and you know there's beauty in everything that can be experienced with the senses as mm. a human mm-hmm. can be beautiful yeah food oh yeah music yeah speech uh, nature yeah art perfumes uh, smells smells yeah. yeah i mean man some perfumes are can be smell beautiful yeah you just and know. it's like yeah why, why yeah what is that yeah. what's the combination i mean i of think we, that? we yeah. typically when we think of beauty first off we always think of a visual sure which is probably the most remembered yeah or the most contemplated because it's you know we so much of our brains are devoted to visual processing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, we it's are. striking when yes. something is visually beautiful, mm-hmm. but there's, I mean, you can have beauty in everything. Sure. But what makes something beautiful? What is it as a, as a human that evokes that? Mm. Is it, this is, I don't know if that, okay. Is it something that's correct? Is it yeah. something that's the way it's supposed to be? Well, how do I know Yeah, that? Yeah. You know, is it, is it, is it something spiritual? Yeah. Is it, is it just something for our enjoyment? Is it something that was created for us to make, make us feel good? Well, why? Yeah. Man, I still haven't got there yet on this one. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Yes. I'm just like, and it's so important, I think, to have, to incorporate that into your life to you know incorporate things that beautiful things yeah into your life but i don't know why yeah i do you have any thoughts no yeah that's a it's a deep deep dive you know because i liked how you put it like every one of our senses can experience beauty in its own way um that's kind of like a light bulb moment there because it's so true. Um, and a lot of it's on experience with those things. 
um, call me crude or whatever you want to, but I see a beautiful cheese pizza and instantly what a beautiful thing that is. <laughs> and, and then you look at, can you imagine an alien coming to earth and seeing that and us just salivating? <laughs> I mean, what, it wouldn't be my... cheese pizza for me. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, right, know, right. to each their own. <laughs> to each their own. But like, but I mean, some kind of food. You know, whatever your favorite food is, you think about that, and the and the why you have, and that we've all had bad pizza, <laughs> but we've most of us probably probably all of us have had good pizza. Oh man, good pizza is a thing of beauty. Uh-huh. That's it's it. It's nice to look at. It is. It's colorful. Uh, there's no way you're saying no to it. <laughs> no, and just... you experience it with all these senses, your sight, your yeah. smell, your mm. taste. It's got so many of the of the experiences. And Even so... better if you're on one of those little boats in Venice, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but And it's important who you share it with, you know. Uh, that's something, too, that is another, outside of the senses, is another thing of beauty, too, I think, is is emotion, you know, the emotional attachment to things. Um, Like a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Or a beautiful act, like Mm -hmm. something that somebody does. Like you see someone drop their purse or drop their cell phone or drop money and you see a total stranger, just go pick it up, run them down and give it back to them. And just how beautiful that is, you know. That just gave me a thought. Do it. Let me run with this for a second. Okay. Because when you said a beautiful act. Yeah. That made me think of purity. Yeah. Okay. Is beauty something that is unadulterated and pure mm. without the effect of of sin or something that maybe has overcome decay or death? Is it is it is it somehow locked in, tied in with purity? Mm. Do you think? Yeah, because I think purity and and beauty. Whenever something's beautiful, I would say usually it's pure too, because you don't look at something that's corrupt and think it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, because there's that there has to be that tie in there because. I mean, even like our visual, if we looked at a mountain, well, even like St. Helens, like it's got its own beauty and it's still beautiful, but its top's been blown off. <laughs> so it's a little different. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not as beautiful as the other the mountains. Peaks. Yeah. The peaks that are around it uh, yeah. because of the, that, cur- you know, that, that thing that happened to it. And, and so, yeah, I think that's definitely uh one of the big things that affect it um because if you saw that same person pick up money chase them down and only give them half of the money mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different story it is it's a totally different it's not, story. not a story you tell your kids at bedtime yeah, exactly and it's not something that you look to and are and that motivates you to try and produce something beautiful Boy, that's deep. Mm-hmm. But I think 
that might be part of it. Yeah. I don't know if it's all of it, but it might sure. be part of it. You know, because you think there was years ago when I was a kid, um, I mean, I've lived in the Pacific Northwest my whole life. Yeah. And I've traveled down the Columbia River Gorge, which is basically the, the state line in between Washington and Oregon. Beautiful. I've been traveling that mm-hmm. since I was born. Yep. And, oh, man, it's been about, I guess, 20 years ago or so. They started, you know, the gorge is like any canyon. It's very windy, right? Mm-hmm. So they started putting up wind towers. Yeah. Generate electricity. Oh, yeah. And boy, talk about a decisive <laughs> issue back in the day. Yep. Some people thought those were the ugliest things. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Well, I mean, I, I get it when you go out there and you look at them. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. But are they, do they detract from the beauty of mm-hmm. a landscape? Sure. And there was enough people that did. I mean, they have a national, oh, I don't know butcher what it's actually called they have a scenic preserve yeah in the columbia river gorge now and they you cannot build wind towers in this particular area because they want to preserve the quote-unquote natural beauty sure of the of the scenery yeah it's like okay so everyone is on the same page yeah we don't want to adulterate certain areas of the world sure because the beauty that they give us is so important. It's mm-hmm. more important than economy. Yeah. It's more important than the power that we use. Electricity. The electricity that you <laughs> use that you cannot get by with yeah. in a modern times. Mm-hmm. You know, beauty is more important than something. Mm-hmm. It's like, boy, what is the cause of that? Yeah. Why do we place so much emphasis on this? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, the, and it's interesting too is that it's on both sides. Like conservatives, I would say, love to, because the Bible talks about you looking at God's creation and seeing your creator in his creation. And so beauty is very, you know, in God's creation, very important to conservatives. But then those who would even not, they would, reject God completely and and not believe in him those are the ones too that are trying to protect the beauty of his creation yeah it's a very common unifying thing yeah I think yeah hmm. for everyone except the greedy capitalists yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> the profiteers dirty money yeah hmm. but yeah I mean I think it just goes to show that at some point, everybody will place more value on some on something beautiful than money. Oh yeah, don't get us started on art and how oh. how much people are willing to pay for something that you look at and you're like, what? And usually, it's because of who created the art. You know, Rembrandt's or you know, Picasso's. And yeah, it becomes other. kind of a a status thing. Yeah. To a point, mm-hmm. but not to say some of those things aren't beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And, and special. Yeah. Um, I think another definition I've heard in the past is beauty is something that inspires the emotion of awe. Mm. Like, 
beauty is just a what an adjective that we would use to describe something. Yeah. But like we can't explain like, wow. This is something that's beautiful. Yeah. It's just an adjective that we've all know kind of what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we could define it maybe, sure. but we know what it means. But one of the definitions that I recall hearing is when you look at something and it inspires an emotion in you. Yeah. We will call this emotion awe. Yeah. That's something that's beautiful. Mm. That it, it has to elicit this emotion that we evidently a lot of us share in common yeah. or we all share in common for specific things. Mm-hmm. What what do you think of the emotion of awe? Yeah, because but that's one that's the hardest, I think, because I think that one changes and evolves more than any other. What? The that shock factor of like wow, like this is amazing. This is beautiful. It's almost that feeling of I can't explain how beautiful it is, you know. And, you know, we've seen, all of us I think have seen houses where we're like, whoa, that's something else. That's beautiful. Like that house is different, you know. And maybe guys not as much, but I think definitely ladies have seen houses they've gone into and saw, seen how it's been decorated and the respect and the awe that goes into that of, wow, how beautiful this house is and how intricately everything is placed in a specific area uh, that is meant to have that shock factor of ultimately all of that together just makes this a beautiful home. Uh, And that's what, you know, but that changes, you know, because you look at houses that were built in the 90s versus common houses that are built today and how different they're built and how everything is. It changes with society and advancement and and everything. And, and I think beauty changes with that, you know, uh, that the things that we see beautiful are, are so different. But and there's timeless beauty that just doesn't change. You know, that it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna ever be something that someone can't look at and say, can't beat it. Yeah. Huh. That emotion, Mm -hmm. that emotional response, how that can change from person to person. Mm -hmm. What causes that? And what, almost what, like. If somebody brings that about in you, they get a control over you of, because like how many of us too have seen a form of art or some kind of art, not knowing who it was from or who, who made it. And we're like, that's pretty good. But then you hear who did it. And all of a sudden, it's got a whole new light on it. And so the power of creating beauty also gives this power of that you have over people of manipulation or influence. Never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Beauty is power. Yeah. If you can create something beautiful, yeah. you can use that to... That's that's like a, a 
a tool of influence. Yeah. It's true, I think. Which, and we're getting to it, but which we're seeing more and more each day in influencers on so many different platforms. Yeah. That they're create. you don't see influencers that are huge, lazy slobs. In- There's a few. <laughs> For the most part, okay. <laughs> it's people that are put together in, yeah. with a background that's specific to them, but is organized. Oh, production value. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's something that catches the eye. That's beautiful to people. Like, they yeah. see that, and they instantly think, okay, this is this will be interesting, you know. There's a podcaster that I'm sure many people are familiar with, I've followed for many years now his name's chris williamson mm-hmm. have you ever heard of him don't think so so he's he's british i think like he lives in the states now but he i think he's been podcasting like four or five years I mean, he was he had some level of fame um he was on like a tv show or something but you know he's really been focused on like the self-improvement and genre but he's he's made this very very deliberate effort um, to incorporate to make his productions his podcasts as visually pleasing as possible mm-hmm. as as beautiful and he'll even use the term as beautiful as possible yeah like this this idea of beauty is becoming talked about a lot and I don't know if it just adds to the value you know he'll even put like in the description of a video in in like uh parentheses 4k mm-hmm. it's like it's like an instant yeah oh this is gonna be nice yeah this is like good. this effort was put in mm-hmm. you know it's like value was put into this yeah maybe that's the you know what and he could do the same podcast with the same person you know, uh, in a nothing with nothing, you yeah. know, no lights, no quality, mm-hmm. and the same information would be there. Yep. But that extra layer, that extra value that's put in to make something beautiful, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's like an order of magnitude more pleasing mm-hmm. to, to watch. Yeah. That's why we see like the different production quality between old movies and newer movies. Like, yeah, I can't hardly get my kids to sit down and watch an older movie because their eyes have been become so used to seeing high quality production, high quality picture, high quality sound that the older movies don't have that anymore. And some have been redone and things like mm-hmm. that, but. But like a lot of the times they're because they're so used to this, they won't even listen to that old and, and how that can, you know, separate, you know, and, and you see that in influencers, you see it in, I was thinking of, of, of singers too, like just how someone, I think there's a show right now going on that I've heard about. I haven't seen it, but. 
oh, I don't know what it's called, but the, the premise of the show is that somebody gets up there and they sing, but you don't know if you're hearing their real voice or if it's a recorded voice of somebody else. And so this person gets up there and they sing, and instantly it's it's almost always beautiful, you know, the sound yeah. from, from the previews anyway. Um, but then they'll turn the voice off and this guy's singing off key or he's just, he's just singing like a normal dude would sing. Right. And everyone's like, Oh, we did not. And the shock of, wait, that was beautiful. I've been duped. Yeah. And now there's no more beauty there. You know, like it has to be authentic to be beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. It has to be real. Yep. And, and just how, how, how that's so different, you know? And I, I remember this from even in, you know, the, the bands and the, the music, you know, early 2000s or 90s, if somebody was caught lip syncing, that was a big deal. Like, yeah. how dare you? You have, you're an artist. You have to perform, you know. And, uh, and it's just like, um, yeah, that just how our, how quickly beauty is lost too. And, and, and changes and, and, uh. Yeah, how the littlest thing can cause it to not be. It's like it has to be pure and authentic mm-hmm. to be to qualify. Yeah, to be beautiful, you can't fake it. Yeah, and I think people's we underestimate. You know, there's so many fake aspects to American culture, right? Sure. I think when you get down to it, the truly beautiful things are not fake. Yeah, and it's almost like. That's our our fake detector. Yeah. You know, it plays into that if something's beautiful or not. It's like, oh, we can, it, maybe you might, might not even be able to describe it. Yeah. You know, when you look at something, it's like, uh, yeah, that's, there's, it's not quite right. Yeah. Something's fake. Something, mm-hmm. some shortcut was taken. Yeah. You know, something, somebody didn't put in a hundred percent. And I, I don't even think, we can understand how we make that assertion. Oh, there's how many times have we heard, even in like go go to church. I always go to that because that's my profession. I can't help. Yeah, it, you know, I'm a pastor. But but like how many times a sermon we've heard the same preacher preach two separate sermons, and it's very evident the one that was given attention to versus oh, yeah. the one that wasn't, and the contrast there that you can see and in preparation how much that matters and um and how like you said we all have it within us you know you can see fake on youtube too like people oh, i'm so generous and you know this is what i do and all this stuff and and you can tell like you know some people maybe are duped by that that's why they're so popular i don't know but other people are like there's no way she's that way all the time, or there's no way he does that all the time. And, and is, is that, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, what drives a lot is finding that balance because, um, no one could be perfect, you know, and we know that. And so there has to be enough flaws there to make it believable yeah. But everybody wants to watch someone who's better than they are too. And so that brings them to this idea of finding that balance because, yeah, that's 
And that's where I think beauty becomes power too in that influencing and just how, and we saw it, I think in, in society too, you see it with politicians and things like that of how they always try to act like they have nothing to hide. There's no problems. I'm a beautiful person. You should vote for me, you know, and we're seeking for the purest one. And that's something that, it's non-existent. <laughs> and we, we all come to know that, you know, that we're, we're on a, a path that, that it's so hard to find that, you know, the authenticity. I'm sure you're aware. Most people are aware of the whole fat activism thing. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've heard yes. this term. Yes. This, general description for the the attempt to change the definition and the way I would put it is an attempt to change the definition of what's physically beautiful in a human mm-hmm. really when you get down to the core of it that's what it is yeah. and you know the human body itself it's it's unique in the the amount of control we have over it physically yeah uh, most people, yeah, um, and and the discipline it takes to create something beautiful, mm-hmm. and I think when you look at, you know, everyone has a pretty good idea of what is generally considered to be a beautiful person, yeah, and and sometimes that can include flaws, sure, but you know, like say for a guy. A beautiful guy. He's going to have, you know, he's going to be muscular. Mm -hmm. That takes effort. Mm -hmm. He's going to be lean. Mm -hmm. That takes discipline Mm -hmm. and effort. Um, You know, he's going to be. Coordinated. Coordinated. He's going to be fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, Good, you know, like good skin, which is generally an evidence of 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 health of clean eating of you know all these things and that all takes a lot of effort and it's a marker of value mm-hmm. right and I, I think the attempt is to cheat the definition mm. and, you, and you see that with this like i can be obese mm-hmm. I, I can still be beautiful yeah attractive hot yeah whatever you want to call it yeah um i think there is a difference between being a beautiful a beautiful human body and being hot Uh, i think anyone can be beautiful yeah yeah hot is more of a you know we look at it as more of a function of procreation sure but you know just a physically beautiful body male or female You know, it takes effort. Mm-hmm. I would even go to say it, it takes, I would even go so far as to say it takes a certain amount of um, mental effort, mm-hmm. cognitive ability, um, refinement to become that. And I think when you see this in so many aspects, but specifically the fat activism thing. Yeah. People want to say that, oh, I can, you know, 
love me as I am. Yeah. I'm beautiful just the way I am. Yeah. And they want to try to change the definition of it. And people see right through it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's not true. Yeah. And there was a famous thing, um, the, the cover of Vogue magazine. I don't know how long ago this is. Could have been a year or two ago. Yeah. They, they had this obese model on the yeah. cover of, I think it was Vogue magazine and Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Just tweets out. Not attractive. Yeah. Or something like not that. Beautiful. Not beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. You remember this. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, and your first instinct is like, oh, that hurts the feels, you yeah. know? Like, what if that was me? Yeah. You want to empathize with the person. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, let's think about this. Yeah. Let's really think about this. Not beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? That goes back to all the things I just said about, yeah. okay, Beauty incorporates all of these things in the in the form of a physical human body. It incorporates all these values and the distillation of of living a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you look at somebody that obviously doesn't live up to that, you know, not that they're still not valuable as a person, yeah, but they're not beautiful yeah. in that regard. Yep. And it, I, I think it's just a truth. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to. It hurts the feels, but I think it's true. And I think striving, you know, for beauty incorporates that. Yeah. Uh, boy. And I think. Found a rabbit hole there. Trying, no, no, it's an interesting thing because to an extent, I think society. Well, no, I think that their thought process, just playing the devil's advocate, is is society created what we see today as a beautiful model, guy, male or female. Yeah. And so now they're saying, well, hey, we got it wrong. Beautiful can be that, yes, for some. It can be this for some, and it can be this for some. And they're trying to make it all about inclusion mm-hmm. of everyone, um, which is still the same. It's the same thing, and it's all kind of connected to um, we want to include everyone and everything and offend no one. Um, and that sounds so pleasing to the ears. Yeah. And so wonderful. We can all sit around and sing Kumbaya. Yes, exactly. Oh, we're all happy. But the problem with that is, is it's just not true. It, it's, it's not possible to do. Because in order to really come up with something worth living for, you have to create conflict and the reason conflict is needed is to understand what is worth believing trial by fire yeah but well because you think about it like okay everyone's a christian until all of a sudden you die if you're a christian well all of a sudden 
lot of people stop being Christian. Everyone's fine with, you know, the way society's going until it affects them and it affects their personal lives and what they want. Um, everyone's fine with, you know, the agendas that are going out there and the belief system. Oh, they can believe how they want to believe. That's, that's totally fine until they wake up and their children are believing that. And their children are now that way and not the way you want them to be or want them to believe. Or and, the way it's going to give them the best life. Yeah, yeah. Which which is the way that you've proven that you believe is the best way. And and again, not saying anyone's perfect or anyone's way is perfect. There's no there's no uh perfect thing for everyone that you know, in every situation, it'll, it'll fit everyone. Every every person, and there's a reason, you know, that God made us so specific. He has, you know, something that um, is instilled within each and every one of us that makes us special for who we are. Um, and trying to say that everything fits under one umbrella we all can believe the way we want to believe and have no conflict. You know, it sound like I said, it's pleasing to the ears and it sounds good. But if you never challenge truth, if you never challenge what someone's saying, you never apply that pressure to say, all right, do you really believe this? Then how do you even really know what you truly believe? Because unless I'm willing to sacrifice for what I believe, I don't know that I truly believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you and, haven't put any skin in the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, um, and, and that's what, like, it's, it's hard, but like, there's something beautiful in my mind about like, uh, even persecution and, People, I'm sure, are going, what? What is persecution, yeah. first off? Yeah. So, like, believing something and being attacked for it. So. Whether, Having it cost you something. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you if you believe something that's you believe is right, but most of society says, no, you are not allowed to believe that. And you believe it anyway. And then they attack you for that. Um. And after that attack, you still believe it and still hold to it, whether you got beat up, whether you got, you know, thrown in prison, whatever it was, you know, this idea of persecution has, has been around forever. You know, there's always the revolution. There's always, we go up against the man, you know, that these, these ideas that are out there and people fighting against the system, so to speak. But persecution also produces true belief and that in in and of itself is somewhat beautiful does it produce it or does it reveal it yeah reveal i think is better yeah i, th I like that I, is it that better is it yeah. the process of burning away the the 
the grass till mm-hmm. you have found the rock that can't yeah. burn. Yeah. Yeah, it's that that's what it does. It reveals the true um the ones that truly care what they believe and truly hold to it. And uh and that's something that is so you know, there's this we have this society today that runs from conflict, it seems like, as far as challenging one another in a respectful way of trying to seek and find the truth. And and now we're trying to include everyone and offend no one to the point where we're not even thinking anymore. And we're going back to what we said in the beginning that that side does the exact same thing that they accuse conservatives of doing, which is, oh, you guys just put your heads down and say we do this because we've always done it. And then the other side is doing the same thing by, well, we're going to include everyone and everything but don't question anyone because we don't want conflict. So we're all just going to be happy together and doing what we want to do. So call me what I want to be called. Be, be, allow me to be who I want to be. Don't challenge me in any way. And that we're seeing that be produced. 100%. And Can we take a quick break? I got to pee. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're back. So, one other thing I thought about when it comes to beauty is the more you love something, the more beautiful it becomes. To you. To you, exactly. And I think that's something that is, that makes, you know, and loves a whole different, whole different ball subject. Game. Yeah, ball game. Um, The more time you spent with something, the more effort you've put into it um, makes it more beautiful to you and more special to you. Um, Like, I don't think I would ever look at a weld and think, that's... That's beautiful. It's funny you bring that up because I was just getting ready to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, I think, it, you know, coming from kind of a, a, a craft background, yeah. you know, the beauty in craftsmanship yeah. is like a whole nother thing. Yeah. And, and I can pick it apart a little more in my mind because I've, Somewhat, I would not call myself a craftsman in any one particular thing. Sure. But I understand enough and I've done enough to understand the effort mm-hmm. and understand the craftsman, you know, the, the the time, patience, value of craftsmanship Yeah, in building something or in making something. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have a respect and, and a admiration and to see the beauty in, in craftsmanship. Yeah whether it's a building or, uh, you know, even the way someone joins two pieces of wood together mm-hmm. or makes a, a, a weld. Mm-hmm. That's my background. So I, I mean, yeah. I've spent years looking, yeah. looking at welds and, you know, seeing, you know, being able to go, oh, that weld, that's not, yeah. I mean, maybe it, it will work. Sure. But it's not, there's no craftsmanship there. Yeah. And you look at another one, you go, wow. Yeah. 
that took some skill mm-hmm. that took some patience that took some effort that took some dedication yep that's a thing of beauty mm-hmm. you know a lot of people wouldn't see like you were talking about yeah. earlier a lot of people wouldn't be able to see oh, why why is that beautiful yeah you know why what makes that be- more beautiful than that well because of all those things yeah. because of the the amount of effort the amount of practice that it took mm-hmm. to attain those skills to make it look that way to make it look uniform to make it look yeah. you know colored right to make it you know sound that it, it's it's you know the physical integrity is is maintained like all these things that when you have the understanding of what makes it then you can appreciate it yeah and and i think that's uh that's going to be true in many realms because an artist might understand a picasso or a rembrandt so much deeper than we could ever understand one and uh I, i remember when i was growing up and and i had dental work done on my teeth and the lady got done, which thankfully it was this way and not a different way, but the lady got done and she called her assistants in there and be like, see how I did this tooth? That's exactly what you're trying to do. And like she herself saw that she hit it. This, yeah, I, I got it with this one. This is what you're looking for. And she called other people over and said, this is it, you know, um, and it can't get any better. Yeah, exactly. I, I've or I've never done any better than this. Yeah. You know that that's the idea there, and and like, yeah, that just so beauty is that that if that has that effect on beauty of of the time you've spent with something, the effort you you've learned something in to truly understand something's beauty. You have to have an understanding of what it took to create that. Um. Yeah, and any man-made thing, you don't see complacency in something that's yeah. considered beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like that's those things never cross paths. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. never look at something and say it's beautiful, and he he just just did the bare minimum. Yeah, <laughs> no, or just got lucky. <laughs> and usually, it's all he had in him, mm-hmm. and then some yeah. to make something that is beautiful. Oh yeah, and of course, as men, we can go right to sports and. Talk oh, sure. about that too, you know. It just like I mean, you could almost apply it to anything that we can. do. Yeah, yeah, you right? really can. Yeah, it's like a proxy mm-hmm. for effort. Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah, craftsmanship is is an amazing thing. Yeah, and you know, it's to be to be respected mm-hmm. in whatever the craft is, and yeah. Not necessarily just building things, but you know, putting your hand to something. Yeah, but that your love and interest in that thing, I think, affects the beauty of it for not just for you though, for you definitely more than anyone else. But like I, there's something beautiful about like you even see like an old man loving an old woman where most would look at her isolated from him and say, 
You know, she's probably a grandma somewhere. She's an elderly lady. But he, when he looks at her, remembers all the memories. Well, he sees the whole picture. Still, Still remembers who she was when he first met her. And as a result of that love, he creates this beauty of a relationship that they had between each other because of that, that love that they share. And then we look at it from the outside in and go, wow, that's beautiful. Two separate people that are older, that wouldn't be, we'd be like, they're on their way out. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to look like that. You're not going to look like you're young and beautiful anymore. And, And we classify beauty as being so physical and, and well, like the things we've said, but also there's beauty in, wow, there's two things that are on their way out and they spent a lifetime together and they still, he would still choose her over any model in this world. A lot and of effort was involved in yeah, that relationship. Yeah. A and lot just, of sacrifice made. Mm-hmm. To the point where there's no, yeah, that's beautiful, man. Just, you could give him the most beautiful woman on this earth in our mind, you know, the world's mind, men's minds, and say, which do you choose? And he still choose her. And through that love, it creates beauty. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Almost unexplainable, right? Like it's It's a tough one to really wrap your mind around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to say what is beauty is kind of a, oh yeah, you could spend a lifetime oh yeah, really trying to figure that out mm-hmm. and and why we crave it so much, yeah, you know, why I mean, we devote so many resources to it mm-hmm. just even just to get the opportunity to you know i when I think back to like nature just to get the opportunity to be there yeah. and experience something, mm-hmm. a specific, beautiful scene. Like we will spend immense amount of resources to, to have that experience. You remember climbing St. Helens? Oh yeah. <laughs> climbing that, that wasn't so much monetary resources, no. but it was a lot of physical resources. Yes, it was. A little brush with, seemed uh, like a brush with death. Yes. Oh, when man. you're a little out of shape. Yes. Uh, or very out of shape. But man, <laughs> it was worth it. Yeah, man. Why? Yeah. I don't, I mean, maybe a sense of accomplishment. I was able to push my body. But man, when you mm-hmm. get up there and it's like, yeah, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And is it beautiful because it took effort? Yeah. Like I've seen pictures on Mount Saint, the top. I mean, from the top of Mount Saint yep. Helens, I've seen pictures my whole life. Yep, that were better than that day. That were probably yeah, far better than that day that we yep. were there. But nothing can compare to how beautiful it was to stand on the crevice of a volcano <sighs> and look out across. It's like that's different. I wonder if beauty things. Beauty becomes so much more powerful the more things that contribute to it. Because we're talking about, I feel like, a lot of things that contribute to something becoming or being beautiful. And 
And that's one thing that I think like for us, because we spent so much and because it was so difficult to get to the top of St. Helens, that view will forever be with us because I mean, it was just a moment, right? And you, we don't even know if we'll ever do it again. You know, like that's, it could be one time that, that, and that's it, you know, but so many contributing factors happened to that. It had to be the right day. I had to, you had to be able to see other mountains, you know, you have to, we went through so much to get to the top. There's that feeling of conquering to the top. All of that mixed together made, made that moment beautiful. Um, it, it almost feels like it feeds, like it feeds the soul. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, yeah, but it, it is. And I think everyone can relate to some degree. Like sure. it's refreshing, especially, especially the natural scenes. Yeah, you know, the natural beauty is just like, I mean, just spend some time in the mountains or spend mm-hmm. some time by the sea. Yeah, and it just like gives you this energy or this refreshment mm-hmm. that speaks to your whatever's inside yeah. you know it, it it it's it's crazy how it works too because it it calms you yeah and then through that through that calming there's this burst of energy like all right it's going to be okay you know and uh i don't know i i always go back to biblical like i said but yeah just when god created things you know it was like this is good like he saw that it was good. I think that's where he said, There it is. That's beautiful. The master craftsman. Yeah. The masterpiece. Yeah. Really, it's yeah. what it is. It is. It's like everything that we do is analogous to that. Mm-hmm. Like everything that we strive to create. Yeah. Is just an attempt to create that masterpiece. Oh, yeah. To create that the satisfaction Mm -hmm. that comes with something that's good. Yeah. You know, that's a good, whatever you're doing and it doesn't really matter, but if it's good, that means it's satisfying and and it's, it's beautiful on some level. Yeah. And And I think everyone needs that in their life. And they they need that accomplishment, that satisfaction, Mm. you know? Yeah. And, and, like you said, you want to put more beauty in your life. Yeah. You want to, you want to have those things because where we see beauty, it's almost like, like you said, it's something within us that is saying, that's what you want to create. That's in your profession, in your, whatever you do, you want to be the one that does it. And others stand in awe and say, wow, I couldn't do it like that. That's impressive, you know? And yeah. Do you think it goes back to sacrifice? I think it's a huge part. I think without sacrifice, I I don't know how you can truly see the beauty in something. The sacrifice of time. 
time, effort, understanding what it took to get to that point, you know. Um, yeah, just, hmm. Which is so foreign to what people are seem like today, like beautiful, beautiful, you know, that we just scroll so quickly over things, whether it be pictures of landscape or, or whatever it is, you know, we've gotten so accustomed to seeing those things. I mean, I remember seeing the Caribbean in a picture yeah, for the first time and seeing that blue water. I didn't believe it was real. I said, there's no way. This is photoshopped. There's <laughs> no way that the water is that beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful in the picture, right? And then to see it, and it's like, it really is that beautiful. And just, wow, that makes, you know, it's so much more beautiful. That, you know, it's real? Yeah, it's yeah. real. You know, because there's so much that... You can get into that a false beauty too of, you know, beauty that things that people take a beautiful thing and make it more pleasing to the eyes and it's not real. It doesn't exist. Botox, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, how it's, it's so odd how just the slightest artificial change mm. is so noticeable yeah it's almost like you know i'm sure there's people that you know obviously if it's if you get a facelift and it's good enough no one notices yeah, that's right? the goal right but <laughs> most of the time yeah it's like you look at somebody and you go uh, mm. uh-huh. yeah no that's not i would you never say oh that's beautiful she's beautiful yeah no those around her say that. Well, that's to protect her <laughs> feelings. Yes. But in the truth mm-hmm. is, and, and everyone knows. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's not beautiful. Yeah. That's that's or that's, she's still trying to be beautiful, but it's that time has passed. They don't have the understanding that there's beauty in the aging. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in the change. Oh yeah. And and that that element of fake is so easily detectable yeah it's like oh no you ruined it yeah it's sad yeah it is i was i think it was madonna oh man i was thinking meg ryan have you seen a meg ryan i mean these are the extreme examples right it's like okay this is body dysmorphia yeah but it's like they're trying to hold on to this one particular thing this they think is you know what everybody wants but you can't fake it. No, nope. you can't fake it. Yeah. Huh. I think that that sounds all hippy dippy, but the 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 correlation of beauty and truth, I think, is a lot deeper than people, yeah, comprehend. Yeah, because you know, you can't fake the truth. You can't fake something beautiful. Nope. It's like they're they're almost intertwined in that aspect like if if something is beautiful it is true yeah what do you think Hmm. well i agree with like you said that you can't fake beauty i mean that's something that 
has been, you know, it's it's evident, especially, especially physically, like when you're there, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't hide it, you know, and that's what makes selfies, you know, and that stuff so hard for me, I think, it's because to get that one picture, there were probably 50 to 100 pictures that were taken before that, which makes that, in some people's eyes, hey, that's beautiful because it took 100 pictures. But in others' eyes, it's like, that just means that your other ones weren't good enough and this is fake. <laughs> you know? Or we edited it. Yeah. Or <laughs> filters. Filters, and- yeah, or things. So, yeah, it's, uh, hmm. It's interesting. The whole idea of beauty, that's an interesting subject uh, to kind of contemplate and dig in. Because... Uh, what are the, what do you think the practical takeaways are? How do you think we can hmm. incorporate more beauty in, in our lives? What, what you, what's the... I mean, we can ramble on about definitions and sure. forever. Yeah. And it's fascinating. But what are the... The real world applications. Um, it's so important to have a goal in every aspect. And so I think that's something that can be incorporated here as well in beauty is whether it's your profession, find out who's the best and craft whatever it is and try to learn from that. Um, Find out, you know, whatever you can. Uh, Don't be complacent. Don't be satisfied with you're doing a good job. You're doing good enough. Yeah. You know, strive to be the best because you know, I don't think no one's ever regretted becoming the best. And so it's one of those things that if you strive for that to be that, you know, now the results of being the best might have brought along a lot of things, but knowing that and believing that you're the best at something, I mean, that's a, but you almost don't know that until, that time's past, you know, like you think of Michael Jordan or, or the greatest, you know, basketball players, football players, you know, people of all time. And when they were playing, I don't think they knew, like they probably knew, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the best right now, probably, but, or I'm one of the best. That's probably what I would think happens because there's always debate there, but I think they always strive to be the best and, even if you fall short, I don't think you'd regret it, you know. I think you have to balance it, you know. When you talk about people like Michael Jordan, you know, are definitely arguably the best in that domain, right? Yeah. But the sacrifice was a lot. Yeah. I mean, personally. Sure. To be the best mm-hmm. takes everything. Yeah. And I think 
maybe reframing it and saying, I want to be the best with this amount of resources. Or the best with the right priorities. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be the it's deeper than just saying the best, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. I mean you can you, you can literally devote your life to being the sure. best yeah. at one thing. Yeah. You know, there's room for those people. Mm-hmm. It's lonely at the top. Yeah. But you know, being the best with like truly the best that you can do. Yeah. I think. Of okay, I have a this certain amount of time to devote to this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna become the absolute best that I can with what I've got. Yeah. Yeah, I think they my thought process there is just not not ever becoming satisfied with where you are. Yeah. Because you can always become better at something. And and that's the idea, you know, of of setting a goal to to never all right, I can coast because that's where you're not growing anymore. That's where you're not becoming better at what you're doing. Better person. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just, and that, that's what that pathway leads to the, the complacency that leads to the laziness that leads to the unfulfilled potential of, of who we can be when we look at something and say, all right, it's good enough. It's good enough. It's good enough. You know, and, uh, boy, that's so much harder to live than to say and talk about. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) But I guess that's where it starts. Someone's got to say it. Someone's got to encourage us to recognize the areas we're not doing that and to give us this nudge to say, all right, stop and categorize the things that are important to you. Are you at least striving to be the best in those areas? Or are you just striving in one area? Are you doing great at work, but home life's a wreck? You're doing great at church, but work's a wreck. You're doing, you know, the different, whatever your priorities are, and you put them in your life. You know, how much, when was the last time you've actually stopped and had a checkup on where I am? How am I doing? And that'll open up a lot of things and a lot of areas. If you're looking for growth, it's a good place to start. It's always there. <laughs> yep. Ready for the taking. Yep. But yeah. how do you think we can, like, physically, how do you think we can incorporate more beauty mm. in our life? Like that would, things or experiences that would evoke that emotion yeah. more often, that would refresh the soul more frequently. Well, the deck's just coming off of a loss to Washington. I wouldn't say sports. <laughs> yeah, it's a touchy subject. That's, right that's a tough one right now. <laughs> Living in Washington, being a Duck fan. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, you know, it, I, that there is actually something to be said about that, of being careful to place, you know, 
or allow that, the beauty of that, that's determined on something else's actions. Um, because that's something you got to be very careful with putting, and, and I guess this correlates, corresponds, you know, with, um, or intertwines with your, your love for something too, um, along with seeing the beauty in it. Um, but, uh, to incorporate things of beauty, it's, it's, it's so subjective, you know, beauty in many times is to each and every person. Yeah. To each and every person. And I think that's why people struggle so much in, in defining it and, and putting this is beauty because, um, a lot of people will look at something and say, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, but there'll still be some people that'll look at that and say, nah, it's nothing compared to this. That's nothing compared to this, you know? And it always seems like there's something more beautiful than to someone than something else. And if something's second, that also causes it to not be as special. Like it needs to be it. Like that's the mountain. You want to see a mountain view? That's the mountain, you know? And, uh, because, man, you start comparing those, you know, that's what, that's where you see the people spending millions upon millions of dollars for the view, you know, yeah. of, of where a house is located or to be able to see something and location and yeah, hold another realm. But, but to incorporate, you know, the beauty in our life, I think that's. That's for you to find something that makes you feel better when you see it. Um, some people, that'll be a Bible on a desk. Some people, that'll be a picture on the wall. Some people, that'll be a motivational poster at work. Or D, all of the above. Or, or all of the above, yeah. Like, yeah, I think I you think know. you're right that it is subjective to yeah. a certain degree. I don't think there's a universal. I mean, I, there is a universal. In, in certain things, sure. But I think when you get down to the personal level, you're correct in that it's it's personal, mm-hmm. and but and it's fluid. But yeah. you can you can put forth the effort to incorporate more of it, whatever yeah. it is to you. Mm-hmm. You know, surrounding whether it's surrounding yourself with things mm-hmm. that evoke that on spot you know awe-inspiring beauty Mm -hmm. you know and i think a lot of that just comes down to trial and error yeah you know when it comes to things like art music um locations scenes photos all the things Mm -hmm. um but i think the world would be a better place if people consciously made the effort to incorporate more beauty, more and, beautiful, yeah, and beauty in their life, beauty and beautiful. You know, they're they're so closely tied. I think to things that are positive, because rarely do you see something beautiful that's positive, or that's not positive. So, like encouraging, yeah, uplifting. You know, um, I wouldn't see a meteor hitting Mount Hood and exploding and it's being beautiful. You know, it's destruction of beauty. 
So the fact that it's there is what makes it beautiful uh, and what is what encourages. And, and then so, well, then that means, well, if, if, if that has an effect on me and makes me feel beauty, then it's good to live in the Northwest physically for that, that to be present. Others, the plains, flat plains of Oklahoma are beautiful to them. They love just seeing as far as they can. And God you and bless I, them. You and I might not understand them. <laughs> no, but they, they love that, yeah. you know. And some that's, people it's that's the sea. Beautiful. Yeah, some people it's the sea. They don't they don't like being out. They want to be out on the sea as often as they possibly can. Some people it's the sky. And I know people that they fly every chance they can because they want to be in the sky, you know. And so that's an important thing to include those things that that you can, you know, that and don't allow it to engulf you to where that's all you do. Um, but to include those positive things that, I mean, that touch you, you know, that, 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 that make you feel something. Figure out a way to integrate that. Yeah. Into your life. Yeah. It just, it does nothing but increase your quality of, of the, the short time you have here, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it relieves stress. It helps get through difficult situations and fights and arguments and, you know, problems at work, at, you know, in everything. You know, you see that and it's just like, it helps you detach from the difficulties that are happening around you, you know. It's interesting when you said a meteor hitting the mountain yeah it kind of reminded me of um in the bible the word terrible is used Mm -hmm. several places and it doesn't really mean it doesn't really mean terrible in the way we think of the word yeah like malicious or malicious or yeah yeah evil it it's also awe-inspiring mm-hmm. in that in those contexts yeah in the same Psalms, in, yeah. in the same way that beautiful yeah kind of is something that inspires awe yeah so it's something that's terrible mm-hmm. also inspires awe yeah there's there's like a contrast there yeah that's like i the, the beauty and destruction kind of yeah it's like whoa that's that's a mind twister yeah you know or the the beauty in in death, yeah, you know, like the leaves dying every fall, yeah, and we love it. Oh, we eat it up, yeah. Or the 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 awesomeness of a giant explosion, mm-hmm. you know, a nuclear bomb yeah. going off in I was the middle say, of the ocean. I, I would like to see a meteor hit probably Mount Hood. That'd be pretty epic, but that would ruin the beauty of. Mount Hood forever. Would it though? Maybe you know, not. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe well, it was that's just maybe why Saint Helen has some amazing yeah, beauty. To I some mean, people. yeah, it was a a literally a terrible explosion. Sure, and it blew yeah. up, and you know, forty three years ago, yeah, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. It still inspires awe, mm-hmm. you know. And even the explosion itself was. I mean, I, I've I've known dozens and dozens of people. I talked to them about you know, that were around when that happened. And 
I can't even imagine it. They all know where they were. Seriously. You ask yeah. anybody that was up and around. Like, yeah, I was here and the, I remember the ash all over the cars and like yeah. they always, it was like snow, but it was ash and it was like, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, my, my grandpa sat on a friend's roof mm-hmm. and watched it. Wow. That's, I mean, like that was, that'd be cool. Talk about awe inspiring yeah. destruction. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and I, it's, it's interesting because you can see it from my house. Yeah. Um, you know, on a clear day, you, mm-hmm. yeah. I, could, I could have watched it from my roof. Oh, yeah. And it, just to think of what an experience. Yeah. What a beautiful experience. Yeah. Terrible experience. I know, right? Either way, awe-inspiring for sure. Yeah, for real. It's, well, it's the same thing with like an avalanche. You see avalanches. Yeah. But I, I've only ever seen them on video. So, like, I can't even imagine seeing an avalanche live. Like Destruction. Yeah. Tidal waves, same type of thing. Like, yeah, there's something, something awe-inspiring. Like you said, it's not really. I wouldn't call it beautiful, but I'd call yeah. it like, like that gives you. That's that's like wow. That's powerful. It's mm-hmm. good. That's there's. I see you see power in that. Yeah, or a tornado man, ripping through things. Like, I I have seen some of those live. Those That's are wild, man. Yeah, crazy. I understand a mountain blowing up far more than I understand a tornado. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe because I've never really seen one. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. We get warnings for them up here every once in a while, but they're it's like, oh, the wind's blowing pretty hard. Yeah. Tornado warning. Yeah. Mm, doesn't quite compare to certain no. other parts of the country. Definitely not. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anything else you want to cover? Talk about? Let's see what else we got. Kind of wanted to cover our reason for doing the podcast here. And yeah, I think we did a pretty good job of doing that and then flowing into some other subjects on that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think think that's really where I'm, you know, kind of in this episode coming out more saying, you know, I really want us to give our unique perspectives from our professions on things. So you as a craftsman, as a conservative living in this, you know, very, very um, openly liberal area of the country, you know, your experiences with that and our views of the things we see around us, you know, because just going on, I guess here I'm not expecting a lot of people from this side of the country to maybe be listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'll be happy anybody listen to this podcast. Yeah, I'd be I'd okay. be happy, right? Hey, if yeah. fifty people get something out of it, hey, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. But the uh, only thing I don't want to do, yeah, is I don't want to just complain. Yes, and because that it's it's everywhere. It is, especially you know. The, you know, the, the, not the zeitgeist, but the, the group of people, the ideals that we share, mm-hmm. it's so common yeah. to just see, especially in media, Only it's just, see negative, yeah. just negative, mm-hmm. complaining, yes. and, you know, maybe they'll offer a solution, but it's just railing yes, all the time. And I've, I've just, I just, I don't want to do that and, and and even comparing us comparing ourselves to other people like i don't 
I don't think that's where we want to go with it either. You know, we want to, it needs to be a personal journey. You know, it's your life. Don't, don't let us tell you how to do it. Don't let others tell you how to do it. You decide how you're going to live this life. You know, you decide how you're going to, who you're going to be, what you're going to be and how you choose to believe, you know? And, and that's something that, you know, I think super important, you know, from a, from a conservative expect uh, perspective too, you know, because yeah. that's, that's, that's a lot rarer that I've seen out there is, is people that aren't afraid to include Bible, aren't, aren't afraid, don't go totally and just read and preach. And this isn't teach. a sermon. Yes. It's not a sermon. Yeah. This isn't a devotional. This isn't, that's not the purpose of this. This is two young men, you know, that are looking at life together and, contemplating yeah and, and thinking about it and and trying to trying to create value yeah create value to and help people mm-hmm. help people find find the way they need to go you know the narrow way the narrow way that's it <laughs> straight is the gate and yeah. narrow is the way yeah so all right man we can wrap it up from there sounds good Till next time. Yep. Thanks Thank for listening.